Welcome to the Noble Ape Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbelay, and this evening I thought, um, for all those listeners who are interested in creating their own artificial life simulations, I would take a kind of reflective look back at the skills that are required in order to create an artificial life simulation, and how one moves from having that initial idea into actually developing the software, creating the documentation, uh, and developing a user base. You may wonder why I would be doing this as part of the Ape Reality podcast, and maybe not biota.org or something of this nature. But my feeling is that the number of people that uh, interact with Noble Ape, many of them go away thinking, well, maybe I could do something better in this regard, or change a certain component, or even contribute back into the Noble Ape development. I'm certainly of the mind that uh, it's better having more people developing artificial life simulations and thinking about artificial life uh, related issues than just having kind of bored users, so to speak. Although it's always good to have more users in the Noble Ape simulation. If you're going to create an artificial life project, the primary thing that you'll need to have over and above programming ability, ability to write, uh, ability to go out there and publicize your development is a kind of long-term view of what you're going to be doing. Nothing fast or flashy occurs with regards to artificial life development. Whilst a number of uh, artificial life developers through history have gotten amazing publicity initially for their project or for various aspects of their project, you need a a philosophy uh, of... um, almost self-deprecation in order to develop artificial life successfully, or at least for a long period of time. Whether or not one can develop artificial life successfully, I'll I'll leave that to to your imagination. Aside from this kind of philosophical view, you also need to think relatively strongly about whether the ideas that you are going to put into the simulation or, or development environment or whatever you create associated with artificial life is you know, strong enough for you to maintain it for a long period of time uh, and also develop it in different directions, whether it has a certain degree of intellectual rigour, whether it's something that you can see yourself being passionate about for at least a year uh, and something that you can try to impassion others about, so much the better. There is something to be said for development in isolation, and certainly large portions of the Noble Ape development I've done fundamentally for my own programming interest, and I don't think it's particularly selfish to say that. I just think it's a natural fact. But having said that, you need to think very dynamically uh, about the amount of time that you have to give uh, with regards to your uh, artificial life development. The amount of time doing boring stuff you're going to have to do, because some portion of it is actually going to be boring, and also the ability to describe it in a number of different ways. Most artificial life projects, in fact all that I can think of immediately, start off with a seed idea. Uh, In the case of Noble Ape, it was with regards to trying to show uh, that cognitive simulation could be done in a a simulated environment. Uh, In the case of Fluidium, which is particularly fresh in my mind from the Biota interview, uh, it was a meshing of of, uh, Gerald's ideas uh, with regards to Buckminster Fuller and the fact that these geometries with the with the tensosity or whatever the, the term is, the tensor forces, uh, created creature-like movement. Uh, and Dave Kerr's example, it was, uh, I, I believe anyway, uh, a, a need to show a kind of complex system from uh, very small components. 
And typically, um, an artificial life project will start with uh, an idea that can be summarised at most in a hundred words. So, whilst this isn't a necessary prerequisite, it's certainly something to think about. That when you start an artificial life project, you need to think about why you're doing it and whether it can maintain uh, a length of time to avoid kind of short-term frustration with regards to the project. And ability to program is, I would say, probably just under um, the, the initial idea and the background behind it in terms of the relative need. It's possible to get together with a team of people that have a diverse skill set to create an artificial life project, but in the long term, you'll want to have some programming abilities yourself. I haven't heard of examples of artificial life developers coming to create an artificial life project without at least three to five years' worth of programming behind them. And really, it just needs to be a natural reflex to actually write code, develop code, deal with things not working, because that's just the nature of programming. Uh, and also, in, in contemporary terms, uh, deal with uh, ever-diverging operating systems and, and things of this nature. Your primary aim when you start in terms of programming an artificial life project is to program for the system that you have most accessible to you. It doesn't matter whether it's Mac, Windows, Linux, or some other system. The main issue is just that you develop a body of, of, of source code that you can utilize. There are a number of models here with regards to the source code. I would thoroughly discourage anyone thinking that they could make uh, even a, a hobbyist survival income uh, from developing artificial life. You don't develop artificial life to make money. You develop artificial life for some intellectual reason, for some idealistic reason, uh, because you're clinically ill, uh, a wide variety of reasons um, to develop artificial life, but making money uh, is not one of those reasons. Do not think that you will be able to get funding for doing an artificial life development unless you are really chummy with a particularly tight group of academics that will probably uh, circumvent whatever you're trying to develop artificial life for uh, in the short term anyway. Uh, my advice is if you don't have the time uh, and the energy and the compiler and the computer equipment, unless you have an amazing like artistic ability, for example, uh, and you can draw amazing examples of what you want to do and convince people through these things, you probably should have a, a second thought about artificial life developments from a, starting a solo project, although there are a number of artificial life projects that you can actively contribute to. The biota.org site is a, is a good place to start to look for uh, current active artificial life projects that are always looking for people. Uh, as I was saying, so there are, outside of a make-a-lot-of-money-writing-artificial-life software model, uh, there is the open-source and the slightly less-than-open-source model. Um, my personal view is open-source is the way to go. Um, whilst there are, you know, a, a few uh, artificial-life projects that remain closed source code-wise, uh, the ability to have an open source component or a fully open source artificial life project means that you're just going to have a different group of people coming and looking at it. They won't just be exclusively artificial life nuts that want to download it. You will get developers and people of this nature that are looking for components of software that also get interest in the development. And in a long term sense, you know, relationships like the relationship I have with Apple, for example, uh, can develop. So, 
my personal view is you don't lose anything uh, for having your uh, artificial life project open source. In fact, you probably gain a lot in the long term in terms of source code contributions or at least a sense that you're, you're doing something that's, that's active. Having had the programming ability and the uh, obsessive uh, interest, which can be summarized in less than uh, 100 words, another important component, and there are two remaining important components as I see them, is the ability to document what you're doing. In my previous discussion with regards to having artistic skill and letting this be a defining point in terms of you getting uh, a grant or something of this nature in order to do the development, my ability to write a lot of text initially with no like a vast quantity of text, a novel-like length of text for those who have seen or, or uh, have some sense of the original manuals. And in my own experience, the original manuals got me the Australian Film Commission grant fundamentally. They showed, irrespective of the roughness of the software that I'd developed at the time, that I had a long-term interest in this Noble Lake project, and you need to appreciate this is nine years ago now, so something was right about that. Anyway, so uh, an ability to write a lot of documentation, even airy-fairy out, they're not part of anything kind of existential, almost shopping list-like documentation, any amount of documentation, really volume, uh, you know, quantity more than quality in some regard, although ultimately your your 100 word ideas should come through the documentation very strongly but my sense is documentation is critical a lot of documentation is better uh, users will come to the documentation in different ways you should think about writing a, a substantial treatise and a concise, a concise version uh, for people that will look at it as well but documentation is central the final point is an online community and I don't say this lightly because I've had very mixed experiences with regards to creating an online community on any component. But when you develop an artificial life project, it's one thing to develop it for yourself, but it's another thing to get user feedback. And if, if anything else is, is productive or gives positive energy, I think it would probably be the ability to actually get community uh, interest and, and communication, and maybe in the long term even contributions of source code or documentation or things of this nature. And part of that is creating a website. Now, bear in mind, you've got the great idea, you've been developing some software for a few weeks, you've written up, um, you know, 40 pages of documentation, you now need to create a website. There is a corporate American model with very little information on the website where you're never really clear what they're actually developing or what they're doing. There may be a few jargon words, things of this nature. An artificial life website needs to be the antithesis of that. It needs to be the exact opposite. It needs to be veritably gushing with information uh, and a degree of stickiness or at least interest that will get people coming back uh, relatively regularly to see what is updating and what has changed and also the kind of reflective component. An interesting point of, of note, which will come into my uh, interview for biota.org of, of Jeffrey Ventrella, which I'm really looking forward to this weekend, is an idea of a calming aspect of artificial life. Why do people use artificial life projects, particularly hobbyist artificial life projects? A large portion of it is, strangely enough, relaxation seems a little crazy to me sometimes, mainly because I'm kind of an obsessive artificial life developer. I concentrate on things that are broken, things that aren't working, getting things faster. But a program as a whole is oftentimes used by people for points of relaxation. It seems very funny. 
But in a kind of reflective component, both the user interface of the artificial life environment that you create, plus the interface of the website, whether the website is, is easily reflective, whether it's got flashing ads, these kind of things, you need to tune your website to what I would call a very mellow audience. Whilst artificial life need not be a kind of far-left enterprise, my sense is that there's a good majority of people on the far left that would prefer to be playing with artificial life than good people on the far right. And whilst I regularly meet people that are uh, libertarians and things of this nature that are interested in artificial life, my broader sense uh, is that politically it seems to come from the left to far left. So my sense is that in you creating websites, in creating documentation, in creating applications, what you need to do is keep the advertising and the commercial elements that may be giving you some limited income relatively minimalist or at least blending into whatever you're doing. Really idealistically, I would say there should be no commercial components to anything that you do with artificial life, but as starving and being an artificial life developer seem to go hand in hand, I certainly don't have any objection to people doing things like putting together cafe press sites or things of this nature, and my feeling is so much the better. I give away a lot of the stuff that I put up on cafe press uh, as, as swag, for want of a better term, uh, and it works very well in the next stage, which is the active promotion of your artificial life project. Now, you may hear various podcasts or various websites and they say, all you need to do is do press releases. Well, my feeling is you get to press release saturation. I would do one press release every three years. Others say, you know, do press release every new version of software, all this kind of stuff. You will saturate the market. People will stop reading your emails, uh, press releases, and... Basically, you won't have the same effect that you would have through selectively corresponding, uh, actively developing community relationships by, for example, emailing me, uh, getting interviewed on biota.org, these kind of things, versus just absolutely saturating the popular media with press releases, uh, which really won't do anything. And if you can imagine every, every, you know, every person and their dog are basically sending out press releases you you want to be very uh, selective and creative and adding things like swag creating good community relationships uh, going out of your way to contact other artificial life developers and use their applications and give them feedback and just build on this whole notion that there are many layers of the community on one layer you have users on another layer you have developers on another layer you have philosophers and journalists and these kind of people all fundamentally interested in artificial life. I wanted to conclude with an interview that I did with, um, I think they were doing their Masters in Journalism at Berkeley, uh, and they contacted me, I don't know, midway through last year, um, in order to talk to me about the whole idea of biota, what it was. And it was a long interview, and towards the end of the interview, the interviewer said to me, this all seems very 1950s, this artificial life idea. It seems like just a bunch of boffins tinkering away and, you know, kind of mad scientist types and it doesn't really have any any you know, input on reality. And I kind of nodded because that's exactly right. Yes, it's exactly right. That's what we're doing. We're just people tinkering in digital sheds. But having said that, I think there's a lot to be said for creating new artificial life. Uh, and there is certainly a, a community that is growing. However, I thought this was a kind of light-hearted view of the various components of creating an artificial life project. If you have any feedback, once again, tom at noblelake.com. Love receiving the emails. 
if you have any podcast topics, feel free to email them to me. There are still components of the simulation I haven't talked on. There are still components of the kind of metaphysics and philosophy I haven't talked on. So thank you very much for tuning in and look forward to you tuning into the next Noble Ape podcast. Mm-hmm.